0: We are in Ephesians chapter 3, it's only been a year, not bad. This, uh, this uh, chapter though, I think the pages are 34, so that's, that's good. We should get through it a little quicker, you would think. All right, <clears throat> if y'all could stand, I'm going to read the first five verses, uh, probably the first seven maybe, I don't know, we'll just read, I'll stop when I'm done. All right, for this cause... I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit." that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Now, Father, we come before you, Lord, we just want to thank you for your word. Uh, thank you that you have given it to us and that we can read and understand it. Uh, I pray, Lord, that this morning we would do exactly that as we read uh, this all-important and start to get into this all-important chapter. Uh, Lord, may you give us wisdom, may you guide us and direct us into your word. In Jesus' name I pray, and all the people said. All right, so what was the theme word around chapter number, or phrase around chapter number one? In Christ. Christ. What's the theme phrase around chapter number two? New. New. What's the theme phrase around chapter number three? Look on the board, it's in red. Christ in you. So number one was you in Christ. This one is Christ in you. All right, and that's the theme of this chapter. And what I want you to understand and what is absolutely key to understand is that nobody at any time in any place had this privilege except for when it was revealed to Paul Until now. Y'all got that? It's important to get that. Okay? Nobody in the Old Testament could say Christ was in you. Nobody during the tribulation period is going to be able to say Christ in you. That's very important to grab onto. When Christ is in you, you are sealed unto the day of redemption. You cannot lose that privilege once you have gained it. You did nothing to get it. You can do nothing to get out of it. And that is very, very simple statement. What I will say is you were not predestined to get it. Okay? You get it by your uh, uh, bowing down to the, the word of God and the, uh, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ as revealed to Paul. That, that's it. It it's really is that simple, yet, uh, boy, we've made it pretty hard, haven't we? Unfortunately. All right, so he starts off by talking about, uh, and we'll start with the uh, fill in the blanks here, the dispensation of grace. And, you know, I could stop right now, and I could spend the next 20 minutes explaining to you how important it is to understand that the Bible de- teaches dispensations, but I hope you all have been around this church long enough that I don't, you don't need me to do that. What I will tell you is this, though. Just know, most churches don't believe what we're talking about right now. Most churches do not buy into dispensations, even though it says it right here. But I know, the Word of God is not the authority, apparently man is. Uh, no, obviously that's not true. The Bible is the Word of God. It is the authority, and Paul specifically calls this period of time that we're living in the dispensation of grace. Now, if this is the dispensation of grace, clearly that must mean there must be other dispensations. Anybody okay with that? Yep. Sounds to me like if, if Paul's got to, to single out this one, that must mean there are other ones. We talked about another one back in Ephesians chapter 1. Remember that? The dispensation of the fullness of times. Y'all remember that? Okay, so so there's, there's different dispensations. And just, to, just so we don't have to spend uh, a whole lot of time talking about it, uh, just know this, that a dispensation is just the way God reveals His grace during that period of time. Very simple, very easily. Now, did God reveal His grace to Adam and Eve the same way that He revealed His grace to, to, to the Old Testament saints? I mean, it doesn't take a genius to go, no. Obviously, something was different. Right? Did God reveal his grace differently to the Jew than he does to the Gentile? Yes. yes obviously. See, see how easy this is? Is there an Old Testament and a New Testament? Yes. yes. Do you believe there's an Old Testament and something was different in the Old Testament than the New Testament? If if you just stop right there, you believe in dispensations. Yet it's amazing to me how many people will say, Oh, the Bible didn't teach you dispensations. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's crazy is you don't even need a King James Bible to get that word. Uh, so it is what it is. Uh, just understand what a dispensation is. It is a, a period of time where God reveals how he's going to work among his people during that period of time. And you all should already know how he's going to uh, deal with his people during this period of time. I wrote it for you on the board and read. In this dispensation, Christ is in you. Nobody else ever has gotten that privilege, and nobody else ever will have that privilege again once this dispensation is over with. Now, what I will say to that is man, do you understand the privilege that we have with such a thing? And that's kind of the point of what Paul's trying to get at in this chapter after he reveals what it is and that it's being. Uh, uh, brought forth, he then reveals the importance of understanding what it is and what it means. So listen, wrong doctrine is 99% always taught by quoting a Bible verse. Unfortunately, just misapplied and wrongly divided. And and, and I'm telling you that is probably the truest statement I've ever seen in my life because it's true. Most people are going to be able to uh, 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 give you why they believe what they believe by showing you a Bible verse. And that's great, and we should be doing that, and that's how you do it. However, be very careful you don't take it out of context, and you don't take it out of what it is saying in, 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 in with the verses above it and below it. Because if you do that, then you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. Because obviously, if I just was talking to you, and I said, yeah, they're great, well, dang, you could, you could tag anything you want on that. What does that mean? Yeah, they're great. Well, he must be talking to me. I'm great. Yay. Or he must be talking about One Baptist Church. We're great. Yay. Or he's talking about the Dallas Cowboys. They're great. Yay. You see what I'm saying? You can tag anything on it. You got to, what did I say prior to that? What did I say after that? That backs up to why I said, yeah, they're great. We can do that with anything. If I was just talking to you and having a conversation, that's not how we conversate. Me just saying segments of sentences. You're going to look at me like, what the heck are you talking about, dude? And you're going to have to start filling in the blanks because no, the way we talk is the way the book was written. And I don't understand how people can't get that. It makes no sense to me. We We don't talk to one another like that. And if this is God's word to us, this is God talking to us. He doesn't talk to us in a sentence, twelve pages later, a sentence, ten pages later a sentence that's not the way he talks to us. He talks to us just like he would, but to do to grab onto what he's actually saying, we need to read everything, or else we aren't going to know what he's actually saying, and we're going to start making up what he's th- what we think he means and you you know that's what leads to People who say things like, well, that's just your interpretation. Well, it is just my interpretation if I do that. If all I do is just take a sentence or take a verse and just try to tell you what I think it means, then yeah, you're right. That is just my interpretation. However, if I read the verse in context and read the whole thing and what's going on, that's not me interpreting it myself. That's me going, well, that's what it says. That's not Fair. I mean, it sounds so logical and so obvious, yet (laughs) uh, I think we both and all can agree uh, it's not something that uh, is happening quite often. Uh, So uh, number one, point number one, Ephesians 3, 1 and 2, have ye heard of the, and the fill in the blank there is dispensation. Uh, Where chapter one might have been the cause, where chapter two might have been the purpose, chapter three is now the nature of it if you will. And and what we're talking about, the cause of the church, uh, the purpose of the church, and now the nature of the church. What is the commission of the church? That is very, very important to identify. You cannot find the actual mission mission of the church in Matthew or Mark. Do you understand that? Because if you find the mission of the church in Matthew or Mark, well... That would be the mystery being revealed prior to the mystery being revealed. Hello? Anybody? I mean, if we're just being honest, I mean, if this is how we put pieces of a puzzle together, well, I can't, if the mystery hasn't been revealed yet, how can the mission of the church been revealed in Matthew or Mark? They were both written well before Ephesians. I don't think there's a scholar on the, in the world that would disagree with that. Maybe there's a few. But, okay, so then why would we go to Matthew or Mark or Luke or John? Well, John would be the only one that I'd say maybe because John was written after <laughs> Ephesians. But you sure, certainly wouldn't go to Matthew, Mark, or Luke to get the mission of the church. That makes no sense. Now, I know where we go. I get it. Everybody goes to Matthew 28. And I think there are some, some very good uh, crossovers to Matthew 28 in the church epistles that will bring that together and say, yeah, well, you know, uh, yeah, we are to go, therefore, into all the world and teach. I- I've got no problem with that statement. However, to try to pull church doctrine and church mission out of, the other, uh, out of other things, you can only if you can cross-reference it to a church epistle. You cannot if you can't. Does that make sense? I mean, or does that just make sense to me? You cannot find the actual mission of the church in Matthew or Mark. Even when they were written, nowhere in those books will you find the message that is found in Ephesians. You cannot do the work of the ministry without understanding what this cause is. We need to have the right cause or it's not a good cause. And that's where I believe unfortunately we've got to really think about today in, in the church house. We have a lot of people doing a lot of Good things. The problem is, good things are only good things based on what? Truth. If it's not based on truth, then is it a good thing? Well, maybe amongst one another it is. But at the end of the day, is that what we're called to do? That's the question. And I'm not saying we can't do good things for one another. Certainly we should. However, don't call it ministry. Because it's not. A lot of people are getting caught up in that today. They think their ministry is music. We have the music ministry. Well, could it be music ministry? It could be. We need to know what ministry means, though, properly in the Word of God. And ministry in the Word of God is feeding the two things that are eternal. The, soul, the word of God and the souls of men. If the songs that we're singing are word of God pointed, then, then I would say, okay, we could call that song ministry, maybe. It could minister to somebody, but it needs to be the words of God. You know, um, no disrespect to Aaron or any of those guys back there, but that's not ministry. That's a work in the church that needs to be done. I'm not arguing that at all. There's a lot of things we need to do. What, the, what, what everybody did over in that corner, I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> so that, that, hey, hallelujah, we needed that, okay? I just want to make sure we all understand, but that's not ministry, okay? We need to define what ministry is before we could ever do ministry. And I think the issue is, and if you think I'm wrong, I'm sorry, uh, we could certainly sit down and have a conversation about this, but I think the issue is most churches don't know what ministry is. And therefore, most churches aren't doing ministry. They'll call it this ministry, that ministry, this ministry, that ministry. And then you go and you sit down and you listen to them, and they aren't even talking about the Word of God. A whole hour you're sitting there talking about nothing. This is a ministry? How is this a ministry? Well, I'm helping them. Based on whose ideas? Yours or the Word of God? You see what I'm saying? At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, we've got to define things the way God does. Doesn't that make sense? Or am I the only one that thinks that makes sense? Like, man, don't we realize that we could be so prone to our own ideas and our own thoughts and making things our own? We're so, you know, our, our flesh is so pulling at that. Don't we realize that we can make mistakes? Don't we realize? Can God make a mistake? No, like if we need to to fix something, it, you know, if we need to uh, get ourselves around something, you know. Listen, it, what drives me bananas, and I mean this with all sincerity, what drives me bananas is like, you know, when a pastor doesn't know how to deal with a situation. So they send the person to the professionals. I thought he was the professional. I thought he was the counselor. Why am I sending this person to a professional? And do you really think there's going to be a real fix? Because I'm going to say I don't think so. There's only one person that can fix it. And there's only one fixer. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ out of his word. So you can go to the professionals all you want. And I'm and not saying there can't be a help to you, but I'm saying if you want the fix, you go to Jesus. And if a pastor doesn't know how to do that, no disrespect, but I would say, is he really a pastor? Because what does Jeremiah 3.15 say? And, 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 and listen, maybe they're not at that point where they can do it yet, but they should be at least enough to a point where they can direct them in the right direction. Does that make sense, or am I just goofy? I am goofy, I agree. But Paul is the pattern that we are told to follow. Paul is the prisoner. Do note that while he wrote the book of Ephesians, he was a prisoner. Some people mistaken that uh, Paul was a slave to Christ, and I have serious, serious problems with that. I do not believe that that word "doulos" uh, means slave. I believe it means servant, which is what it means. And how people turn that to slave—that's Calvinism, folks. Okay. Do note that if we are slaves to Christ, that means we have no choice. What does a, does a slave have a choice? No. We are not slaves. Sorry. Oh, there's names I could drop right now. Big names that I could drop right now, that people love and just, get. I'm sorry, that's wrong. We are not slaves to Christ. We are servants. Nowhere in the Bible will you find that word, slave. Check this. In the King James Bible, you only find the word slave twice. And both times, it's in reference to the way it is actually where they are in bondage to something. We are slaves to sin. Yes, we are. We are not slaves to Christ. That is He's not our king at that point. You, 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 you know, we could have probably avoided a whole big war if we just had this figured out. You know what I'm saying? You know, the Civil War, we probably could have got past that if we could have figured this out. This is, it's not right. It's not right. We are not slaves. Paul, writing here, is not talking about himself being a slave to Christ. He was an actual prisoner. Sitting in a a, a Roman cell. I mean, why can't we just go with what it says? (laughs) Okay? And of course, we will learn uh, and we know that he's a preacher. He's a preacher. We follow his pattern. We follow who he is and what he did as he followed the Lord. Amen? Uh, He certainly was a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. He was ordained a preacher, and he speaks the truth in Christ, a teacher of the Gentiles. He was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Paul was the pattern for salvation of grace, a prisoner for, a preacher to the Gentiles, specifically not to the Jew. Who ordained Paul? Jesus did. Uh, in Arabia, if not, right there on Damascus Road, okay? Okay. He ordained Paul for a very specific revealing of a message because a time had come for it to be revealed. Paul was imprisoned for the mystery among the Gentiles. Take note, Paul was not in jail because he was preaching the Ten Commandments. He was not in jail because he was a Jew. He was not in jail for any of those things. He was in jail because he was preaching the gospel of the grace of God. That's why he was there. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to, as Paul says, my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble. And boy, did he suffer trouble as an evildoer. Listen, because he was preaching the gospel of Christ, he was considered an evildoer, even under bonds. And of course, we know the bonds being uh, uh, in jail. But, but he says, but the word of God is not bound you can bind me, but you can't bind the word of God. Right. we praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. Listen, it's this mystery that Paul is revealing in Ephesians that he has been put in jail for. Do note, what that means is that the Roman Empire and the Jews all understood this was a big deal. This was a big deal. They were putting him in jail for it. They're calling it evil. Like, this is a big deal. How come we don't make a big deal of it? Hello? Anybody awake? How come we don't make a big deal of it? We should. We should. He says here that he, has, that he wants us to, to, to pray that utterance may be given to him, that I may, that I may openly, uh, uh, by my mouth, boldly, to make known the mystery of the gospel. Hello? When's the last time you prayed that? That you could boldly open your mouth to others of the gospel. Listen, we have a year and a half left in this building. And we are going to have to get our own place. We need to grow, folks. And I'm telling you, the only way we're going to grow is the only way I want us to grow is by us opening our mouth boldly. We're not going to do fancy gimmicks to get people in here. So if we're going to grow, it's because you're opening your mouth. Because that's the way we do it. That's the way it's done. And that's the way it'll always be done. Because we're going to do it biblically, because that's the way it should be done. That's great, man. I do believe that we are a church that teaches truth, and I believe we're learning. But if you're not doing anything with what you're learning, you're a dead Christian. I know that's a harsh statement, but it's a true statement because that is your purpose. That is my purpose. That's it. That's why he left us here. The moment we got saved, he could have just took us and called it a day. No, he left us here because we are his ambassadors. We are his mouthpiece. And Paul consistently tells us that we, as he, needs to uh, speak boldly In verse 20, he goes on to say, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that I therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Listen, can I just say this, okay? If you don't know the mission of the church, then could I maybe say that you have a dysfunctional church? Uh, What blows my mind, Honestly, is when a church has uh, issues that are going on in it or uh, uh, you know maybe they went through a church split or whatever, and some of y'all came from something like that uh, when I first met you, but I remember what what that I, that particular church I remember what they were saying they were saying well, we're just trying to figure out what our mission is we're just trying to figure out our vision. Can I just humbly say, if you're trying to figure out your mission, if you're trying to figure out your vision, you don't know your word at all. Because if you know your word, then you don't need to figure out your mission. You don't need to figure out the vision. It's right there. This is the mission. This is the vision. This is what we follow. How, what do you mean you're trying to figure it out? If you're trying to figure it out, can I just suggest that maybe that church is all about you? If a, if if you minister the wrong message, how about this? Could we have the wrong blueprint and your building be the wrong building? I'm just asking. Is that possible? What do you think? I believe that it is absolutely possible. And I believe this is a much bigger deal than we're making of it. You don't make any friends teaching this. okay? Did Paul make friends teaching this? Did Jesus make friends teaching this? Did any of these guys make friends teaching this? No. You want to know where they ended up? On a cross, in jail, beheaded, all the other good things that went along with it, right? All the fun things that we love about... all. No. No. Speaking truth comes at a cost. It does. And you know, doing it right means you probably will not have a large church. I think we probably can show evidence of that. Second Timothy 1a says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Paul goes on to say, If you have heard of the dispensation, uh, if you have heard of the... Di- not many know dispensation is in the Bible. And again, if you just start talking to people, ask them and see what they say. Uh, most people don't know what the word means. They don't understand the, the reality behind it. How many have actually heard this and know what it is? And uh, you know, again, I, I would humbly say, if I'm wrong, great. I want to be wrong. I just don't think I am. Um, dispensation, what does it mean? What does it mean? It's a revelation ordaining God's way of dealing with us and us with him. It's not only an economy, it's a stewardship, administration. So in this dispensation, it is the way that God is dealing with us. But do note that every time God deals out a new dispensation, we have a stewardship of it. As his people. Did Adam and Eve have a stewardship of something? Yes, they did. Did, did. did Noah have a stewardship of something? Yes. Did Abraham have a stewardship of something? Yes. Did Moses have a stewardship? Y'all with me? We're all here, right? Yes. They all had to steward something. Now, based on what we've seen, did they all do what they were supposed to do? And was there consequences for not doing what they were supposed to do? Somewhere along the line, though, you see, for some reason, while we live in this dispensation, we don't think there's going to be (laughs) any consequences. I might argue, (laughs) and I think I might be okay doing this, the responsibility is greater on us than it ever has been. We have Him in us. What's our excuse? However, for some reason... I I erased it this morning so I could get the, but but we had the little scales there, if y'all remember. For some reason, man, we spend so much time on justification, we forgot judgment. And we just don't, we're just not there anymore. Most churches will not speak to you about the judgment of God in any way, shape, or form. And listen, maybe I am heavy on preaching the judgment of God. Maybe I am. And maybe that's too far right, but I'd rather be too far right than too far left. Because too far left is going to be a problem. Okay, now I agree. We should have a, a, a balance of it. I agree with that. But we are so far left, so far. And listen, no disrespect to anybody in this church, but a lot of us are still left, even though we preach right as much as we do. Just the reality of it, guys. I don't mean, I'm not trying to call anybody out or be a jerk. It's just the reality of it. We, we've got to realize, we've got to understand, and we've got to wrap our brain around the fact judgment's coming whether you like it or not. You, we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we are all going to give an account for what we've done. Well, it'll go good for me. I hope it does. I really, truly, honestly do. But do know, if it does, it's going to be according to this book and not according to what you think. Do know that. Because that is the truth of the matter. We all know that. But it's one thing to know something. It's a whole other thing to do it. Amen? Okay. Uh, So this dispensation... Is, 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 it's important to understand. We, are, we have a stewardship over something. And I gave you a bunch of verses that, uh, honestly, I'm not going to go through them all. But, but, but obviously you can see uh, that the point that, that, that needs to be made here, uh, maybe more than anything, is there were 12 apostles because there were the 12 tribes of Israel of the kingdom. Only Paul is called the apostle of the Gentiles. Why? Because it's a different purpose. And it was on purpose that, that God went out of the way to say that. Okay? And, that, and notice in Romans 15, 15, at the top of page 3, it says, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. And then, of course, while writing to the Corinthian church, which probably should open all of our ears. Seriously, we can hear this stuff, we can read it, we can look at it and know that it says that, but I'm still very, very convinced that most of us, maybe even myself included, we're just not grabbing onto what it's really saying. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Listen, what we're talking about here in Ephesians chapter 3, we are stewards over it. And we are going to be held accountable for it. The next question is, and, and again, no disrespect to anybody in this room, I'm just trying to be a pastor right now. How many of us actually understand what this mystery is? How many of us are actually doing it? Being a steward over it? Do what you want. (laughs) Go the roads you want to go. But 1 Corinthians 4 says we are going to be held accountable to them. All seven of them, folks. So while we're on this one, and although we're talking about this one right now, do remember there's six more. We're stewards over all them too. And I do believe with every ounce in me that if you really truly understand the seven mysteries of God, if you really grab onto them, you will understand what it means to be the church of the New Testament. And you will understand how to call out that which is not right and know that which is. And if we just sat here and and, and talked about these mysteries in in, in a more in-depth way, uh, I think you would all come to the conclusion that what I am saying is correct. Peter preached the gospel of the kingdom, to the circumcision. Paul preached gospel of grace of God to the uncircumcision. The question that I might ask is, is this this important to know? And I think by this point, we all would say, oh, yeah, it is important to know. Uh, Yeah, it is. Uh, Galatians 1.15 says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace... And we know what happened. He, Paul was then brought into Arabia. And for the next three and a half years, he was shown, given this mystery that we're talking about right now. And everything that goes with it, probably the biggest things that we need to understand is that it was Paul's gospel is included in this, so now we need to know what the proper gospel of Jesus Christ is according to... Okay, hey, again, no disrespect. But I'm telling you, just get online. Start listening to some churches up in here in Jacksonville. Start looking, for the, start looking in, the, in, in, in the notes where they say a teaching on the gospel, whatever. And just listen to it. And I promise you, If you know what the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Scripture is, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, you're going to start scratching your head and you're going to start going, what the heck is going on right now? That's wrong. That ain't right. And can I say this? Can I say this? Can you be 99% saved? Anybody? The answer is no. Either, either we got the message 100% right or we don't. 99% 99% is not good enough. If I put a little cyanide in your water, what's going to happen? You're dead. How important is this? That's my question. What do y'all think? Can, can we afford to mess this up? No. It's, I mean, James says it's the engrafted word that saves your soul. What do you want me to say to you guys? What, what, what should we be saying? And, and listen, can I just say, what worries me, what bothers me is those out there who don't know. And you ask them, hey, are you saved? I'm a Christian, amen, hey, t- can you tell me your testimony? Well, <laughs> uh, that scares me a little. Because uh, I'm not hearing things that are biblical in that. Listen, if, 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 if your testimony does not include things like 2 Corinthians 7.10, for godly sorrow leadeth to... Most people don't really... Even you understand that sin is so far from holiness it's not even in the same ballpark. Godly sorrow leadeth to repentance but you see there's a problem and what bothers me is what happens at most pulpits when they say bow your head and say a prayer. say your prayer after me Lord, I know I offended you I know did you say that prayer? Hey you're saved. Can I just say uh, there might the, the issue there might be you just preached some worldly sorrow. Mm-hmm. And worldly sorrow, the Bible says, the last time I checked, leads to yeah. death. I know that some may listen to an idiot like me going, you got to stop you know, attacking these other churches. you got to stop doing that, man. Can't we all just get along? Yes, we all can get along as long as we gather around the Word of God. And what it says, 1 Corinthians 1.10. I'll get along with anybody that gathers around 1 Corinthians 1.10. I will not get along with something that I know in my heart of hearts is not right. And I know in my heart of hearts is leading people astray. And you shouldn't either. Because the Bible says that we hate, how many false ways? Every false way. If it's false, it's False. And that's why I started this out with saying 99% of wrong doctrine is quoting the Bible verse in a wrong way, applying it to the wrong people. That is false. And if it's false, who would want to do that? We got to really start thinking about this rationally. Who would want us to get a wrong understanding about a doctrine? Why, and why, why would he want to give us a wrong understanding about something, so that what, so that he can make you not go to church? Do you think Satan cares if you go to church? Honestly, do you? No, he wants you to go to church because ninety-nine percent of them are bad. That's so awful, Pastor. Why would you say that? Because it's true. I don't know what you want. I don't know what you want me to tell you. It's true. What do you think Satan's purpose is? What do you think he cares about? What did he do to Adam and Eve? What did he care about? Why did he even mess with them? What did Adam and Eve have? Fellowship with God. That's what he's trying to destroy. Get it? So, Why would he want us to have a wrong message about salvation? Because that will not give you fellowship with God. What do you think Satan's going to mess with top priority? Salvation. Which obviously then falls back to the word. That's what he's after, guys. That's what he wants. How are we so oblivious to this? And I hope that we're not, but man, it seems like many in the world are. Well, as long as we agree on the essentials. You know what's crazy is? We don't agree on the essentials. That's the, okay, let's just buy into that for a second. We don't agree on the essentials. Essentials. You think, I ain't saying any of you, I hope not. If not, well, sorry, I apologize. But, but you think that God just picks and chooses who gets to go to heaven. You think that the blood of Christ doesn't matter. You don't think repentance matters. You don't think blah, 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 blah. We're not even, I would call salvation essential. I mean, if that's not essential, I don't know what else is. I would call that essential. We don't even agree on that. We got that all messed up in, in, in what church to church to church believes. Some people think they need to get baptized in water to be saved. Some people think this, some people think that. Some, pe- some people think that the only way you're really truly saved, and you really have the Spirit, is if you can speak in tongues. I don't agree with that. I think that's all wrong. I think that's absolutely wrong. Based on my opinion, no, I don't think it's my opinion at all. I just read the Bible. this dispensation of grace that we're living in. we got to understand it. We've got to wrap our brain around it. We've got to get all the ins and outs of it. Why? Why do we? Number one, number one, because that's how you get saved. <laughs> so if I just stopped right there, that'd be good enough, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But number two, Because you're a steward over it. You're required to be a steward over it. You're required to be found faithful to it. And do you know what Jesus said that's almost heartbreaking to me? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I'm asking a question, man. When the Son of Man comes to get his church, will he have found faith in you? Well, I go to church every Sunday no that, 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 that 's not being a steward over what 's been given to you no are you following after what you should be doing absolutely but that 's not what you're going to be that, that, that that's not your what you 're steward over. We need to learn as Timothy says how to behave in the household of God amen yeah. listen um uh, I want to kind of take a little sidestep. You can close your, your book booklet for today because I do think this is important. We need to do it. Go with me to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to do all Bible for the rest of the next 15, 20 minutes. Does that sound fair? Everybody, everybody okay with that? Go with me to Galatians chapter 4. I want to show you a couple things here. And in light of Christmas, it'll kind of fit nicely. Listen. Three major mysteries are being developed in our understanding biblically and correctly in these first three chapters of Ephesians, okay? It's, it's like I said, it's you in Christ, Christ in you, and the very fact that Jesus is Lord, okay? Those three things are absolute essentials, The other four mysteries don't have the same meaning behind them if you don't get those three. And I might argue a fourth one being Israel is not uh, 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 the church. And so we could probably go there too. But even that won't matter if you don't get the first three right. If you don't know that Jesus is God, if you don't know that Jesus is in you and you in him, then pff, it doesn't matter what you think about Mystery Babylon. It doesn't matter what you think about Israel and the church. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. All that stuff doesn't really even matter anymore. We got to get those down. Amen? Okay. Those are mysteries, folks. Those are three. I'm telling you three of the mysteries right now. Okay? And we got to get them. Look at Galatians chapter 4. Watch what Paul says. He says this Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, deferreth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Boy, that sounds an awful lot like Ephesians chapter 2. Because it was, the first three or four verses. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. Let's just stop there for a second. Let's read what that says. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. When did God send forth his son? We're going to try to think of this logically for a second. When did God send forth a son? His birth. Right? Hello? Anybody? Somebody were, is, there, is anybody with me? <laughs> yeah. What? God sent forth his son made of a woman. When? When, he wa- when the Lord Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. When was that? Roughly. Oh, around 2 B.C. Call it what you will. Somewhere around 2 B.C., God sent forth His Son. Okay, let's keep reading. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive... What does that say there? All right, I have a serious question. For all of those prior to God sending His Son, were they children of God? Come on, yes or no? Could they have been? See, if we just let the Bibles talk, we can get truth. Okay. Well, it says to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive adoption, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, "Abba, Father." Okay. When does God send forth His Spirit into your heart? So. Right up to today, if you are not his, are you a child of God? I mean, if we're just reading what it says. What do y'all think? Well, no, obviously not. We don't get to become in Christ, chapter number one. We don't get all those blessings until we are biblically saved. When we get in Christ, when redemption takes hold of us. What are we redeemed from? Kind of, because it's our schoolmaster. I I don't know that I would fully argue that. I I think you're on the right path. But what are we redeemed from? Sin, ultimately a sin. Now, law leads us to our understanding that we're sinners, so I can buy what you said there. But listen, prior to that, What were we? Were we made in the image of God? Listen, if we were made in the image of God, do you understand what you're saying? You were a sinner. God's a sinner. And I would argue, and I ain't got to go there right now, we could, we could go to Romans. Why would God be trying to transform us back into his image if we're already in it? Does that make any sense? It doesn't. Listen, there was a fixed time when the fullness, and I love how, that's prophetic right there, boys and girls. You want to know why? Because that exact time is when God in the Old Testament predicted that the Messiah would come. Daniel 9, 24, 25. There was a precise time he was to come because there was a precise time he had to die. It had to happen right when it did. It was planned before the foundation of the world, okay? And so, listen, he sent forth his son made of a woman to redeem them so that we would become sons of God, John 1.14, okay? Uh, Listen, uh, this is what happened. Uh, We need to understand that the Lord came. But the question now becomes, as we're trying to develop this mystery, is who came? Because if you get that answer wrong, you can't be saved. And I'm going to show you that, that that is absolutely 100% true. You've got to get the answer right. Because who came matters. Well, Jesus came. But who's Jesus? You've got to get that right. We've got to understand that there's something behind this that's, that, 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 that we are stewards over. It's not just Jesus, it's not just the Son of God. It's God in the flesh came. Amen. That little baby boy was the great I am. Amen. We got to understand that. And I will argue that there are many that don't. They don't. That was one of the biggest arguments I had with my mom. She thought Jesus was the Son of God. That was it, that's as far as she would go. And even though I would read verses to her, she just couldn't get it in her mind. And I want you to know, that's what Roman Catholicism believes. And I want you to know that every single, pretty much, church that comes off of Roman Catholicism believes that. And I want you to know that's what the Jehovah Witnesses believe. And I want you to know that's what the Mormons believe. And I want you to know that's what the Seventh-day Adventists believe. And I want you to know that's what most people believe. And if you say to them, well, was he God in the flesh? Some would say yes, not really even knowing what they're saying. Because then you start talking to them and start getting some insight. They really don't know. Now listen, why am I hammering this? Why am I talking about this? Because this is a mystery we are stewards over. This is a mystery we're going to be held accountable for. This is a mystery you better be able to relate to somebody else who asks for the hope that's within you. Because you need, just as I do, just as we all do, to sanctify the Lord God in our heart and be ready to always give a man an answer for the hope that's within us. And let me tell you, there's a lot of hope to be found in the fact that God came and died in your place for your sin and you don't have to pay for it i don't know what more hope we can get i don't know to me that is the greatest offering of love that could ever be you want to talk about gifts during christmas let me just tell you something right now that is the best gift you will ever get you can't get a better gift And if you're so focused, I'm not saying we are, I'm just preaching right now, okay, let me do that, okay, because I'm preaching to the people that are listening online, because you all believe what I'm saying right now. Listen, whoa, was that that bad? I should have said that, I should have said that. Chris didn't like I said that. Let me keep going. Listen, if all we're doing is focusing on the Christmas tree, and the the, the music, and the food, and this, and that, and and all we're doing is focusing on the presents, and all that stuff, we're missing the big picture. I'm not saying you can't have a Christmas tree. I didn't say that. I think Robert did a good enough job. I don't need to. That's that's baloney. Well, if you if you have a Christmas tree, you're worshiping the devil. No, I'm not. What are you trying to say? I'm a devil worshipper because I, I worship. I I, I I have a Christmas tree, and I put some lights on it. Come on, man. It's like we could do that with everything if you really wanted to. You really want to play that game? Let's play it. I mean, how far do you want to go with that? Because <laughs> I could turn that around at anybody real fast. Well, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing this, you're doing that. You shouldn't be doing any of that stuff. Don't we know that the little G of this world? Huh? Every, just about everything we do, we could be brought. The question is, where's your heart? Ask the question. But listen, this is a big deal. Now, let me show you why this is a big deal. Let me show you. Go to First John for me. Let's just look at and listen to what the Apostle John had to say about this. I'm going to show you three verses here, and we should get the point. 1 John 2, 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Now I want you to understand what he's saying. And I'm going to prove to you what he's saying in a minute. What he's saying is if you deny that Jesus and the Father are not one, you are the spirit of Antichrist. If you deny that Jesus is not God in the flesh, you are of the spirit, the Antichrist. Now if you don't believe me, watch. Hold on. Just stick with me for a second. Go to 1 John 4, 3. It says, Beloved, I'm going to start in verse 1. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. And boy, can I just say this? If we could just stop right there, 99% of our churches today, we'd be better off. Because we just think that just because somebody's up in a pulpit, running his mouth like I'm doing right now, that everything that that person is saying has to be of God. Listen, if that person isn't proving it to you with the word of God, every mouth will be stopped and the whole world will become guilty before God, even that preacher at that pulpit. No! We need to make sure that these things are coming from God. And the only way, let me repeat that, the only way you can do that is by the word of God. There's no other way. Well, So-and-so prophet man, he he had a dream last night, you know. I mean that that was from God. (laughs) Okay, how can I prove that was from God? Just because I do you realize what I could tell you all to do if I had to play that game? Now most most of you ain't dumb enough to fall for that. Some of you are. Right, Peyton? Listen, listen, no, we gotta try the spirits. Look at Hereby know ye the Spirit, capital S, of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. Whereof you have heard that it should come even now already is in the world. And you're looking at me going deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Okay, we got three times now. I was going to say Paul. John said, Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Jesus Christ. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, antichrist. Okay, you look at that and you go, again, Pastor, okay, but are they all believe? No, no, no. Because Paul gives us the definition of what it means for Jesus Christ to have come in the flesh. Now I'll go to with me to 1 Timothy 3. Yep. Yep. Oh. And this is why rightly dividing your word of truth is so very important. And this is why you change one little word. You change everything. Yep. And this is why I will not ever read an NIV. I will not read an NASB. I will not read any of those satanic that satanic stuff. You can be mad at me all you want. It's satanic. It's wrong. Okay? Because look, here's the the very definition of what it means that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Because if you don't believe what I'm about to show you right now, which by the way is a great mystery. Hello. If you don't believe this, you can't be accounted for it. You can't account for it, and you are going to believe something like Jesus is the Son of God. Oh, hold on a minute now. What does it say right here? And without controversy, great. And you got to love Paul. Hey, folks! Without controversy, there is no controversy. There's nothing to argue about. It's very simple. God was manifest in the flesh. Amen. Mic drop. Yep. Let's all go home. Yep. Who 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 was born of the virgin? Careful. Careful, because that's exactly what a Roman Catholic would say. And that's why it's so important to understand this mystery. Was God, was Mary the mother of God? Do You see why that's important? Mary was not the mother of God. Mary was the mother of Jesus. And we're looking at this going, Pastor, you're confusing me. You told me that he was God in the flesh. Like, I don't get it. You, that's why you need to understand the, 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 the dynamics of this. When Jesus was born, he was all man, all man, yet without sin. But he was also all God. He didn't get the Spirit of God on him at his baptism. Wrong. Incorrect. He was God from the very moment he was born. But Mary was not the mother of God because God is everlasting. Mary, a finite being, cannot be the mother of God. Do you all get that? Look at watch. Go with me to Micah 5. Let me show you. I'm probably stealing some stuff from Robert because these are all Christmas verses. And if I am, uh, you can yell at me tomorrow. I apologize. Look at Watch, Micah 5, verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, and hey, you gotta love it. Okay, so you see how we live in Jacksonville, right? This would be like saying, "But thou, Orange Park, Jacksonville." Like, the Bible even called the, the not just the town, the suburb of the town. Like, he's telling us exactly where that manger would be, and do note, this is Micah. This is four, five hundred years before the birth of Christ, maybe more, pinpointing not just the town, but the exact place in the town. I mean, my gosh. Though thou be little among thousands of Judah. What thousands of Judah is he talking about? Ah, uh, this is a whole different conversation. And we'll go there some other day. some other. But I believe those little baby boys that that, that, boy, that boy killed right there, I believe those are the 144,000. Okay? You want to talk about that with me later? Let's have a conversation. I think I got enough evidence to prove that we're on to something there. He says, but thou be little among the thousands of Judah; Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me. That is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old from everlasting. Mary is not the mother of God. Mary is the mother of Jesus. And you go, that's why it's a mystery. You got to understand all aspects of it. It's important to understand all aspects of it. And as much as Jesus was the son of God, by the way, do you even know why he has that term son of God? Because most people don't. Well, because he was the son of God. Uh, You know what? He was the first son of God on planet Earth since the time of Adam. Let's just get that off the table right now. The first Adam was called the son of God. Were there any sons of God between that point and Jesus? No. And he gave us the power to become. Maybe that's why he had the term son of God. How about that? Huh? Because how could he be the son of God and yet God? Maybe there's a reason behind the term. Maybe if we just dug a little into the Bible, we figure out the reason. And we don't have to be confused by these things. And it's really not that confusing. Why can't Jesus be all God and all Jesus? Why? We're talking about God. He created the universe. Is anything too hard for him? <laughs> I mean, come on. What, what is there, what's the problem here? Well, that's just confusing. Maybe to you it is. But just let the word of God speak and it's not confusing anymore. It just it is what it is. Is that okay? We should be okay with that. He came in the flesh. Christ in you. You in Christ. The great mystery of the fact that that very tabernacle in the Old Testament is in you. You're the temple of Jesus? No, you're the temple of God. Man, uh, I remember, uh, Robert, what, two or three weeks ago now, you did that whole universe thing? Man, just the Think about that for a couple minutes, just to kind of try to grab the unbelievableness of it all. That God is in you. How could we ever, my friends, how could we ever say, well, I can't. Well, I can't. Let me just say, if you ever say, I can't, you are denying the very Christ in you. Because what you're saying is, he can't. And I'm just saying, oh, yes, he can. And the problem is, you're right. You can't stop living for you and start letting him live in you. And then watch what will happen. If y'all knew me back in two thousand and two, you would be completely floored to what you see up here today. <laughs> back in two thousand and two, yeah, I would have been right with you. No, he can't. Oh yes, he can. He can take a borderline atheist. They used to laugh at people that preached this book, that 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 thought. Christianity and all that was just a big hoax and he can turn him into a preacher who loves this book, who has every faith in him who believes he will accomplish everything he ever said every promise he ever made to us and he's going to do it whether we want him to or not it's going to happen and I'm okay with that because I need somebody to tell me what to do Because if somebody's not telling me what to do, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I already know what happens when I do what I want to do. i already seen it. Been there, done that. Still at times have problems with that. My wife, I'm sure, can attest. But I also know that if I let him lead, man, and can I just tell you guys, in two weeks, we're going to be celebrating the greatest gift this world ever got. Now, I don't think he was born on December 25th. I think he was born in September. But whatever. He was born, wasn't he? Amen. I think we all can agree with that. And listen, it's the greatest gift we ever got. It is the gift of God. There aren't a darn thing you can do about it. There isn't a darn thing I can do about it, our sin. He did it all. He was our gift, amen? And listen, as we dig into this mystery, we need to understand what goes behind it. I mean, truthfully, all three of them, He is God. Does it not blow your mind that God was sitting on a cross? Seriously. Like, just stop and try to grasp that for a couple minutes. I know we may have heard these things before and whatever, but like the very nails that were in his hand, he made them. The the very wood that he was hanging on, he made that. The the hands that pounded the nails into his hand, he made that too. The breath that was coming out of his nostrils, he made it the blood that was pouring out of his vein Oh, he made that too. The people that were standing around that cross mocking him, he loved them. Listen, I don't know what you need to get motivated to be a Christian, but can I just tell you, that's as far as you need to go. It don't have to be much more harder than that. Look what he did for you. If you need more, motiv- more, more motivation beyond that, I, I, I got to say, I'm not sure there's anything I or anybody in this church can do to help you. Because that should be it right there. That should be it right there. We're ambassadors. Paul, is, 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 is as he gets into the second half of this chapter, Boy, he's going to bring it home for us. He's going to bring it home for us. And you want to know how he ends this? In chapter number three, he ends it, what the purpose of all this is. And here's the big news flash. If you haven't been around here, if you have, you know exactly what I'm about to say. None of this. None of it. It's about you. None of it. Let me repeat that. You didn't understand what zero means. Zero. It's all about Him. And it's all for His glory. And man, as we submit ourselves to His mysteries, do you understand what we put on His head when He returns? That just blows my mind that He would even give us that privilege it's a privilege and can i just say i think we are way too easily way too easily persuaded in different directions we are way too easily brought down different paths and we have to recognize that all we're doing by doing that is stealing his glory for self-glory it's all we're doing. And until we can come to that place to recognize that, I don't know if we're going to be, by and large, the church we should be. But we, I can't help everybody out there. All I can tell us is us in here, hey, man, there's something bigger, something better. And the bigger and better is not you or me or this church. Jesus, it's always been him. It always will be him, and Paul's getting ready. In verse three, to start to reveal. The mystery. Of Christ, Amen. Yeah. All right, Father, we come before you, Lord. We want to thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you do, Lord. Your word. Uh, it is, uh, it's our anchor. Lord, and I pray that it would be for every single one of us. Uh, Lord, we are so thankful for what you did for us. Uh, Lord, uh, as we just uh, sit here and contemplate uh, what you did, uh, Lord, um, uh, as your word says, what is man that you were mindful of us. Yet, in your great love, you were. And Lord, all we can do is just bow down humbly to you and say thank you. But Lord, I pray that our thankfulness would not just be words, that as Paul said in Romans 12, it would turn into action. Uh, so Lord, maybe we be a church that would be all about your glory. May we be a church that would do that what you've asked us to do. And Lord, uh, we do love you. We are thankful for this mystery. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would give us uh, the wisdom uh, to move forward into the direction you'd have us to be. And we certainly will give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, amen. Amen. Love you all. Have a good day.